Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And it is uh, time once again for our weekly discussion on matters of law, done, we hope, in a casual and informative way. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And as you may know, Chicago's Legal Latte is designed to be a, a brief weekly visit with an attorney that allows us to share some information about a particular topic in a way that's uh, uh, informative but uh, helpful to those that are interested or somehow impacted by that topic. We get to dig a little bit deeper and find out some of the things that um, might help you make some decisions or at least know where to turn when you are facing a different issue of some sort. Uh, Today, we return to matters of family law as I am joined by Attorney Christina Regal of Lavelle Law Limited. We're going to look at uh, some of the elements of a divorce proceeding, one in particular, uh, which is the assignment, in some cases, of an attorney to represent the interest of children when the parents can't reach a resolution on certain key points around that topic. So we're going to find out more about it. Christina, thank you very much for being here with me again. Well, I'm glad to be here. I I guess by definition, uh, we would assume that uh, divorce settlements are not always reached easily and that there are going to be some very basic and deep differences between the spouses. And I, I know we've talked in the past that becomes particularly difficult when children are involved. Now, I have not heard before of an attorney being appointed to represent the interests of children. So tell me what sort of situations might call for this to occur. Well, these are these are appointed. Attorneys for children are appointed when there is a custody dispute or there's some kind of interest of the child that needs to be represented. So, Jim, what we're saying here is, you know, I think people think of uh, a divorce typically being between A and B, um, you know, an attorney for the husband and an attorney for the wife. Well, when both parents, when both, when there's children involved and both parents are claiming different things about the other spouse or claim that they should be the parent who has custody, the kids' interests are not represented by attorney A for mom or attorney B for dad, another attorney whose client is the children or child um, is appointed to represent the children and their interests separate and apart from mom and her attorney or dad and his attorney. Okay, interesting. I assume it's the the judge who's handling this case that makes the determination that that's necessary? Yes, and typically it will be one party or another who will ask the court, who will petition the court or motion file a motion with the court to ask for the appointment of a child's attorney. The court may do it itself. Mm-hmm. Now, you obviously yeah. you you handle these cases on a very regular basis, and as I mentioned, I'm I'm certainly not nearly as close to it as you are. I hadn't heard of this before. Is this a fairly frequent occurrence? Do you see a lot of these instances? Yes, this happens almost in every custody case where custody is actually in dispute. And when I say it's in dispute, what I mean is the parties cannot agree as to which parent should be the primary caretaker for the child in terms of which parent should be the one where the children reside with whom the children reside, and that person is the one who receives child support. When there's a dispute as to who, which parent that should be, and you know, people will raise allegations of maybe mental illness or substance abuse or just unfit parenting. Um, you know, essentially, it needs an attorney for the child to figure out what, if any, of those allegations have any merit to them. 
Interesting. And it is it is pretty common. Whenever custody is in dispute, it is common that these attorneys would be appointed. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about what they do then in particular. I, obviously, I would assume they have sort of a specific task. How does that get defined, and what are they really trying to accomplish then? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, it's actually different at every stage of a child's life. So, you know, when a child, let's say, is part or the subject of a custody dispute when she's 13 years old, um, you know, she's able to talk to her attorney and tell her attorney maybe not, you know, what she wants because maybe that's not appropriate for the child to say exactly what it is that they, I want to live with mom or I want to live with dad, but they can at least talk to their attorney about things that they see or, um, you know, their past experiences and whatnot. Um, So in the cases where the children are, you know, able to communicate and actually have kind of a grasp on the facts and their own situation, the child attorney their job is to communicate with the child and to find out what's going on, how they're feeling, how they're doing, you know, and um, and to kind of get a sense of, you know, what is the best environment for the child to reside in. So maybe the best environment to reside in is with dad, even though, you know, normally the primary caretaker has been mom. You know, that's a possibility. Um, but in other in- instances where the child is two or three years old, um, obviously the job of a child attorney is, is far different because they're not able to sort of interview or communicate with their clients, but instead they would speak to daycare providers, speak to siblings, speak to grandparents, teachers, um, you know, neighbors, that sort of thing, babysitters, nannies, and, and to kind of assess what a good environment or what, you know, what is best for the child. And that's really what it's about is determining what's in the best interest, what custody situation is in the best interest of the child. So depending on the age, depending on the fact situation, you know, the child attorney may do a home visit if one of the allegations is that one of the parents, you know, doesn't keep a suitable residence um, to uh, actually have a child visit or have a child stay overnight. They may, you know, do a surprise visit and come and see what the residence looks like. Is it too messy? Is it, you know, are there many random roommates? That sort of thing. It, it, it's a very fluid uh, uh, job appointment, and, you know, what it calls for is adapting to the uh, the facts of the case. Now, after they have done their their research, for lack of a better term here, they've looked into all the things, do they just recommend something to the judge, or do they provide um, you know direct resolution? How, how does their work feed back into the into the case itself? Well, that's another great question, and it raises a great distinction. When there's a child's representative, and and there there are two types of children's attorneys. One is a child's representative, and one is a guardian ad litem, and that's a fancy Latin term that means child's attorney. But there's a distinction between the two. A child's representative will make recommendations to the court and negotiate with the other attorneys in the case for a resolution. Um whereas a guardian ad litem is actually a witness who would actually testify at trial. Um, So if I'm mom's attorney and there's a guardian ad litem appointed to represent the child in a case, the guardian ad litem would do all of his research. He would interview and talk to the child and talk to mom, talk to dad, and then I would put him on the stand and ask him what he found and ask him what his opinion is and ask him, you know, ask him um, what evidence he's seen. And, and a child's representative would not testify. Their report would be to the court. They'd make recommendations and they'd negotiate, but they would not serve as a witness in a trial. Okay. 
Now, are these attorneys, um, uh, and I assume that they, I think you've mentioned they are attorneys, are, are they part of the court system? Are they independent that uh, a judge will have, use as a resource? Where do they come from? Uh, the answer is both. <laughs> um, okay. They are independent in that they are independent legal practitioners. They're not um you know, employees of the circuit court system. Um, but they are essentially not licensed, but certified as child attorneys through the circuit court system. So there are certain requirements in every county. I think, for instance, in Cook County, you have to, uh, an attorney can be appointed as a child attorney or a guardian ad litem only after they have, they themselves have. Um, been the attorney in two custody trials. So you're not seeing someone who's fresh out of law school representing the interests of a child. Um, you know, these are more seasoned attorneys. These are more experienced attorneys who have been through, you know, the real wars, the real custody battles um, before they end up being appointed by the court. And that is what happens. So essentially they'll be certified. Their names will be on a list of eligible child attorneys and then a judge or opposing counsel together will choose a an attorney for the children and essentially determine whether or not it should be the appointment should be as a child representative or a guardian ad litem. Well, a lot of information coming at us today. We're receiving all of this from uh, our acquaintance uh, Christina Regal of the Law Limited, who, who joins us from time to time. She practices in the family law group, among others, at Lavelle Law, and uh, has obviously a wide range of experience here. And um, you can learn more about uh, that practice group, Christina, and all of our colleagues at LavelleLaw.com. A lot of great articles there as well, um, and you might want to take a little time there if you uh, are interested in a particular area. Now, Christina, can you just walk us through a little bit more in detail? Um, you talked about the job of, of uh, the attorney in this particular role as a representative of the child. How do they go about that? You said uh, some visits, some interviews. Uh, is it unique to each case then as to how they kind of put their position together? Yes, it is. It's unique to each case, the age of the child, the circumstances of the families. You know, you won't find an attorney appointed in Chicago um, going to do a home visit in Honolulu if dad lives there and his best for his visitation is. I mean, that seems to be pretty unlikely. So <laughs> in many cases, um, the child's attorney will do a home visit at each at each home of the parent, at each parent's home. And we'll meet with teachers, we'll meet with neighbors, we'll meet with friends, family members, anyone who's relevant to the case to try to determine um what um you know what the best circumstances are for that you know for that investigation however um when when a child attorney is appointed you know probably the most important part of what they do is that they meet with mom and they meet with dad and oftentimes they'll ask to do that with the children and separate from the children so that um they can really get a sense of who the people are when they're with their kids and who the people are when they're not with their kids. And given that, I think it's it's important to strategize as a litigant as to what you know that person needs to do to relate to the child's attorney. I think some people get confused or they get frustrated by the length of a case. I mean, when you call when when something's considered a custody battle, it's almost always going to be a protracted case. And so, um parties will often get frustrated with the fact that they have to be interviewed about their parenting style or whatever, but it's important to have some strategies. And and I want to talk about those a little bit, but we've talked about, you know, the duration here. We talked about the work being done by a, a, a seasoned attorney. I assume there's legal costs associated with there. Who is covering the cost of this attorney's work? Obviously not going to be charged to the child they're representing. 
No, of course not. I mean, it is it isn't it is not inexpensive, that's for sure. Um, but typically, to start out, the child's attorney will have a retainer of about two thousand to three thousand dollars, and that will be split by the parties and ordered by the court. So, mom would pay a thousand or fifteen hundred, and dad would pay a thousand or fifteen hundred. That gets the ball rolling, but it's usually you know much more than that. Um, so, uh, if there's a um, if there are disparate incomes in the marriage, maybe, you know, dad earns 70% of the income and mom earns 30% of the income, you might find that at the end of the case, the court rules that dad should have to pay 70% of the child rep or GAL's fees and mom should have to pay 30% just based on how the income shakes out. Sometimes it'll be 50-50 and sometimes it'll be a different kind of split. Okay, now we've got about a minute or so left here, and you touched on something I want to come back to. As an attorney who, obviously representing representing one of the parents in this case, um, now you have a, another attorney. How, how do you deal with that presence, and how does that affect the way you go about in representing your client? It's probably the most important relationship you can have as an attorney on a custody case is the relationship that you have with the child attorney on the case. If my client wants custody, the most important relationship I can have is with the attorney for the child. Sometimes it's overlooked as attorneys, um, you know, will be focused more on the battle against the other side than they will be focused on, you know, the party that you know, isn't necessarily contentious. Um, but it is, and I, I tell my clients, it's a big PR, you know, it's a big PR campaign. And um, these these attorneys are essentially an extension of the court. And you wouldn't want to say anything to these attorneys that you wouldn't say to a judge. And um, I don't know that people necessarily um, think about it that way, and, and they should, because it, it does make a big difference. When a GAL or a child's rep makes a recommendation for one parent or another, it carries a lot of weight with the court. That's the last person that you want to see angry at you. Okay. Well, um, certainly very helpful information. And, and as I said, a new topic, which we always appreciate having here, as much as I'd like to continue the conversation with uh, Christina Regal. Time's not going to permit us to do that today. Look forward to having her back for future discussions. If you've not been able to listen to our previous conversations, go back and, and you'll certainly learn some things by listening to them. You can find them at LavelleLaw.com. They're also available by searching Lavelle Law on iTunes or doing the same right here on BlogTalkRadio.com. So a lot of places to get some information. Thanks to Christina, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.